Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcasts on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. There will be quite a few interviews today, not as many as yesterday, and so there will be a little time for you to get in if you would like to on this opening day of Major League Baseball. We mentioned it yesterday that it was the first time since 19 this will be the first time since 1968 that everyone will open on the same day in major league baseball i um it is going to you know th- this is going to be a fascinating seasons on a lot of ways and we've talked about some of it but I don't know that we've totally covered just how unique a season this could be for Major League Baseball. In addition to all the rule changes, and again, I saw yesterday that the number that they came up with in spring training is 27. They The average spring training game this year was 27 minutes shorter because of the clock than the average Major League game was a year ago and was like 35 minutes shorter than the average World Baseball Classic game earlier this month. So if they can transfer that to the regular season, you'd have to go back to 1984 since the last time Major League Baseball averaged, had the average game time as the the average game time in spring training so far with these with the new pitch clock, so um, it sounds like if, if they can make it work, it's going. I think it's going to help. I mean, I think there are even baseball fans, guys who love baseball, women who love baseball, who would say that too many of the games last too long. So I don't know. I think we just need to, you know, not everybody is as calm and rational and open-minded to things as I am when it comes to sports. You know, people get a little crazy sometimes. But I think we need to... um, I love those looks when I say that. <laughs> yeah, calm and rational. That's, that's calm and rational and open-minded. You forgot open-minded. You are open-minded. I will say you'll listen to any idea. You might think it's crazy, but you'll listen. you're not going to cut somebody off. So yeah. that's good. But, uh, but, but, but I think I think most of it's going to be good. Again, the one that I still uh, just don't know how it's going to work is just limiting each bat to two disengage. I just. 
I don't know how that's going to work, and maybe I'm overrated. We'll see. Again, I heard someone say yesterday, well, now's the last day to complain or talk about it. Well, no. I mean, we got to see how it plays out. I mean, and I think some of it will be changed, modified. We've seen it happen in the NFL. They come up with this new rule. We bellyache about it through the whole preseason, and then they realize that maybe they didn't think, and they kind of tweak it or get rid of it or don't really enforce it. So we'll see how it plays out. The other thing that is going to be drastically different about this year that it's hard to put your finger on because you don't really know how it's going to play out. But again, some major thing when you get rid of the shift, there are going to be players and there are going to be teams that are going to be really affected by it in a good way. And there are going to be players and teams really affected by that in a bad way. And then there's going to be a group of teams, probably the majority of them, who aren't going to really be affected that much either way. But again, and the Astros are one of them. I think the Astros shift more than any team in baseball are are second most. It's possible that all these new rules are not going to help the Astros. I understand how good the Astros look on paper. But... Um, we'll see how the shifting part works and how it impacts their pitching, especially with a guy like Framber, who's a big ground ball pitcher. It might, it might impact him more than what we're thinking. The other thing to consider is the schedule's different for, mo- for, for a lar- long time. You play your division you know, it, it, it is varied 16, 17, 18, 19 times a year. When I was little, it was more, it was like you played your division 18 times and you played everyone else in your league 12 times. Well, things are different now. You're only going to play your division 13 times this year. So if you struggle, if you have a weak, if you have a tough division, you won't have to play those teams as many times. You essentially you play four series. There's some tweaks. There's some things that are different, but essentially you play everybody in your division four series this year. You play everyone else in your league. That's not in your division two series. And you play everyone in the other league, one series. Now, again, there's some little exceptions. Like I think every team still has like a counterpart in the other league and you play them like two, two game series. I don't know. They do all kind of weird stuff, but but essentially, that's what it is. So if you have a brutal division, you're not playing those teams as often. So let's say you're the um, Orioles, and you've been having to play the Rays and the Yankees and the Red Sox 17, 18, 19 times a year, and you really struggle against them. Like two years ago, I don't know that the the Rays beat the Orioles like every game, except for maybe one, but like they might have beat them every game. It was like almost every game they beat them. They went like whatever it was, 16-1 and one or 16-0 and oh or whatever. It was crazy. So if they if you do better typically against the other division, well, you're going to have a theoretically have a better chance to win if you're that kind of team this year. So, again, that's something else. There's so many changes to the game this year. And I think it's very possible – that everything is just going to be better this way. 
But that doesn't mean it's going to impact your team in a good way. We'll have to see. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. Hey, I got to get your, uh, your opinion on uh, your guy, uh, D'Lo. Did you hear he's picking the uh, little MVPs to, to, to uh, be one of the wild card teams this season? Did you oh, hear that? Oh, yeah, Major League Baseball. I mean, they just can't wait. Like, I don't even know what they're going to do. Really, yeah. I, I I don't know. They won't no, know they, what to do with themselves I, if the little MVPs make the playoffs. Like they won't know what I'm to saying, do. I tell you what, they got they're gonna have to play really well because right. the the Mariners are good, and I think the Rangers are good. Yeah. Well, that was I was saying Dawson was picking him as one of his teams to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, I know. Why well, he, he's he's a oh. Mike Trout, he's a Mike Trout lover. I think he's un- – I, I think I, – just when I thought it was too good to be true, yeah, you know, then he says that, you know, and then he picks the Yankees to win. I, I, I think the Rays are going to surprise a lot of people, man. I mean, they still got good pitching, you know. I mean, they got a few good hitters and everything. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. The uh, Rays people, you know? the Rays scored 200 fewer runs last year than they did two years ago. There's no way that's going to happen again. No way. And so right. they couldn't even try to be as bad offensively as they were last year. And right. I think the Rays are going to be, yeah, I, I think too many people are sleeping on them. I agree. Did you wish him happy birthday today? Uh, I forgot I about that. We mentioned that yesterday. The cat likes to have a birthday and keep it secret. Now, in the next segment, we go talk to somebody who never keeps his birthday. He tells everybody. He says a national holiday, according to Stevie P. But, no, the man tried to keep it secret. We were discussing that yesterday. Yeah. I think what you need to do is get a pie and put it in his face for his birthday for him not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's all I got. Hopefully my Red Fox and uh, the Astros can have a good year this year, which uh, I know the Astros will. I mean, they only got even stronger during the, the offseason by getting Jose Abreu. I think he's he's uh, going to have a good year with the Astros. He's, uh, but uh, like I said, it ain't the Yankees year. I know uh, Paul's listening, but it ain't the Yankees year. He's delusional. I got to make sure he's taking his medicine, just like I make sure you take your medicine yes, every sir. day. <laughs> we need to. Have a good one, buddy. You too. Take care. Speaking of the little MVPs, the Sacramento Kings last night qualified for for the postseason. That ended the longest streak of the four major professional sports without making the postseason. They had they had not made it for 16 straight seasons, and that ended last night for the Sacramento Kings. First time after a 16-year drought. So guess who, what professional team now, after last night, now holds the longest drought in the postseason? Well, my guess would be the Angels. No. No. The New York Jets. Oh, well, yeah, the, I, the Angels had the one year with Trout. Okay, yes. Yeah. The Jets now own the longest streak of 12, 12 straight years without the playoffs. Next is the Buffalo Sabres, which I don't know anything about them. They're, they're at 11. <laughs> but the thing about the Kings thing that's so incredible is the NBA tries to let everybody in the playoffs, and yeah, they, they still couldn't make They've it. been really bad for a while. And you also have to understand – the, the East has kind of gotten to where it's better than the West for now. But for about 
I don't know, pretty long time, eight or nine years, that the West was better than the East. So that they were in the power con they're not now, but they were in the power conference for a lot of those sixteen years. Uh tied for third are the Detroit Tigers and the little MVPs. Eight years. It's been eight years. Well, for the last eight years, the little MVPs and the Detroit Tigers have not made the playoffs. And man, the Tigers, it don't it's not looking good for the Tigers. I, I do think if everything goes right, the little MVP again, they need Anthony Rendon to play like an MVP again. Uh, they need the best of of Trout, the best of Otani, the best of Rendon, and then they've some of their pitchers have just got to, you know, do better. The problem is their bullpen is always awful. Like, it, I don't know that it's much better this year. Their, their bullpen is just not good. It's just normally awful. So. We'll see how the little MVPs do. Now, it might help them what I just said. Like, they won't have to play the Mariners and the Astros and the Rangers as often as they do. Although, I I don't think they kind of have the Mariners number, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't really follow the little MVPs that much. But I think think they kind of have the Mariners number more, kind of like the Astros did for most of the but they won't have to play their division as many games as they did in recent years so that might help them all right we'll take a time out come back shift gears talk to our good friend stevie p next stay tuned this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros tune in every weekday at 8 15 a.m and 3 15 p.m for the lsu sports update presented by tibbs trailers here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us our good friend Stevie P. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's opening day, Cat. I'm always good on opening day. What about you? Oh, well, I uh, you know opening day, and I forgot to look up that numbers. I actually, treated the Astros pretty well. Don't they have like a? Haven't they won like eleven or twelve in a row or something crazy like that? I think twelve in a row. Yeah, no, they they they've typically done pretty good on opening day, even on. You know, Astros, contrary to popular belief, you know, that stretch that they had with the three consecutive years where they lost 100 games. Of course, in two of them, they were really trying to lose, you know, 100 games. But, you know, uh, people think of the Astros as being a, t- a team just because they didn't win a World Series prior to 2017 as being, you know, a, a franchise that was never good. You know, again, because you don't win any championships. But, you know, they had, you look throughout the 70s and, you take away 1975, which was a really bad year. Of course, you had a lot of, you know, things happen that year. I mean, you know, preseason, of course, the tragic death of, of Don Wilson and all that. But my, my point being, you go back and look at, you know, them constantly throughout the 70s and 80s, there were very few years where they were really, really poor. Well, that's fair. You know, there's actually a lot of similarities between uh, the Saints and the Astros. The problem is um, – you know, well, I don't know the problem. We just kind of hope the Saints could ever go through a stretch. And 
you know, had they won one or two, had had 2011 happened like it was supposed to, who knows? The Saints might have had a stretch very similar to what the Astros are in right now. But what I want to ask you about is from all the rule changes and the fact that we were just talking about, I was reminding myself and the listeners that the schedule is different this year. You know, some teams uh, struggle against their own division. And so this year you're going to be playing fewer games against your own division. The Astros have owned the West during this incredible streak they're on. That might actually hurt them a little bit. We'll see how that plays out. Which one of all those changes do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the Astros, positively or negatively? On the Astros, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about uh, the uh, the pitch clock. You know, when it comes to a guy like Castillo, you know, Framer doesn't uh, he he has some stretches where he works fairly quick, but he's been known to work. You know, slow on occasion. Uh, you know, uh, obviously Justin Verlander doesn't pitch anymore for them. The Mets—it's the Mets' concern right now. But you know, they, what I'm saying is, uh, the Astros have never really had a Tony Robichaux system, and they get the ball and pitch it. You know, I mean, uh, they—they've been you know, whether it be the last three pitching coaches. You know, they—they they, of course every major league team's like that. You know, so I hate—I hate to take the wishy-washy answer, but. My, my concern about them is the pitch clock more so than than anything. You know, when, when it comes to uh, to everybody playing everybody, you're going to see that a lot more as we go on. Because I'm telling you, once expansion comes, and I think that's going to be done within the next five years, you're going to have an American and a National League. But really, what for? You know, it's kind of like the NFC AFC. You know, it's just to have who's going to be representing you in the World Series. You know, back in the old days. Every league used to have their own team president, used to have your own umpires. Remember, the, the American League umpires used to have the big chest protectors on the outside. The National yeah. League uh, uh, umpires used to have the chest protector on the inside. There was the, the leagues were vastly, vastly different. Now it's just, okay, you're going to call this team, you know, they play, say they play in the American League, this team that plays in the National League, but it really means nothing. But I think from a scheduling standpoint, you know, uh, it, it's going to make a lot more sense, and you know, you say the Astros playing against the uh, uh, the West, They're, they better play play well against the West, or at least the Central, because I think that's that's going to be the case for a long, long time after expansion comes. All right. So before I forget, is there anything we need to let people know about recreation and parks? Well, we are still uh, we're down the, the the stretch, getting ready to start our uh, our little league season which uh, begins the week of April 17th. You still have an opportunity to register. Uh, if you want to register in person, you can come here to Gerard Park before 4.30. And we also have after hours where you could register your child at the Dupuy Center uh, off of Pont de Bouton Road and also at the Martin Luther King Center. Uh, also, uh, this weekend, we're starting, um, we're starting tra- our track and field events. It's going to be held at uh, Karen Crow High School, uh, you could register your child on site there. Just make sure that you sign up before 8.30. Numerous events and numerous age groups, so we always have a whole lot of fun with that. But, again, uh, uh, baseball, it's all about baseball and, the, and softball. Uh, if you need some more information concerning that, you can give me a call here. My desk number is 291-8380, 291-8380, but you only got a couple of days left to do that, so make sure that you give me a call today. All right, a couple guys made the Astros opening 
day roster that most Astro fans have never heard of. I've heard of jokes, and I actually, I might have, Cajun, uh, the kid, um, uh, what's his name, Caesar? what's his name, the, the other guy made Salazar. the catch. I'm sorry? Salazar. Salazar, yeah. yeah. Now, he might have played, was was he on that, I've got to figure out, was he on that Arizona team that played in the yes, regional he here? Yes, yes, I know. I knew what you were getting at. Yeah, they played the Cajun. Yes, he was a, uh, now obviously he was a stud catcher in, in the NCAA. He's had a couple of stretches in the American League. That was really shocking to me. I understand kind of why he made the team. It's just that uh, Yonder Diaz is a little bit better bat right now than Corey Lee. So they want Diaz to to, to, to play DH a little bit with, with Michael Brantley out. Well, if you play Diaz at a DH, you know, and what happens if Maldonado gets hurt? So you need a third catcher, and they want Corey Lee to still play every day down at AAA. So the more I look at it, the more it really does make sense. You know, it, it really does, but it was really, really surprising to me. Uh, you know, jokes didn't really surprise me. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I actually predicted him to make the team, but here's a story about him. This cat, you know, was was left off the 40-man roster, which means that he was subjected to the, to the, to the Rule 5 draft. And they went through the Rule 5 draft, and nobody picked him, and yet here he is, you know, on the opening day lineup of a Major League Baseball team, and not only – a major league baseball team, the defending world champions. I, I think both are just great, great stories. But okay, I'm trying to feel like I gotta believe Salazar and or Diaz is gonna have somebody's gonna have to play a different position other than catcher at some point, or there's just not enough flexibility here. Well, that yeah, that is a concern. That is a concern. Of course, the question is when is Michael Brantley gonna come back? But my guess tonight is that Diaz is gonna DH. Because I mean, it's like, you know, who, okay, who, who's going to DH? You know, and, and, and you're going to have McCormick and you're going to have Myers in the outfield along with uh, along with Tucker. Uh, but, I mean, who are you going to DH? I think that's... Well, that's, El Pedro Grande. Who's that? El Pedro Grande, unless he's in left field. I, I, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you want him out there. You need him in your lineup because I just don't know that you can have McCormick and Myers... You know, outfield. The, the outfield is an offensive position, especially at a corner position. But yeah, here I am forgetting about uh, 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 forgetting about Alvarez. But yeah, I think Alvarez will play left tonight, and Diaz will be a DH. That's only a prediction, though. All right. So the other thing that I I were I was discussing in the first segment is um with Framber, he's a ground ball pitcher. How much could the shift negatively impact him? I think any any pitcher that that's a ground ball pitcher it, it, it can affect. But again, you just kind of a, a adjust to that. I mean, you you, you just do. Uh, I I think that uh, uh, you know, to me, with, with the new rules and, and whatnot, I'm actually okay with most of them. Even though I'm considered, I consider myself like a baseball purist. I really am okay with with a lot of them. You know, when it comes to the shift, I'm just one that you know, as long as they're in territory, obviously other than the catcher, I think you should play wherever that you uh, uh, wherever you want to. But I, I think that Framber will adjust. I think most pitchers will adjust, and and I really think that once we get into the middle of May. 
people won't even be talking about that stuff no more. It's just going to be almost kind of like second nature. I, I I think that there are some 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 guys. You know, I, I think a guy like Tucker will benefit from it from a from a hitting standpoint. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's kind of a pull hitter. I mean, he's not that he can't go the other way, but you know, he's kind of a pull hitter. I think there's some. I think that it'll affect hitters from a positive standpoint more than it'll affect pitchers from a negative standpoint. All right, give me a surprise team in each league because I don't hear too many national people thinking there are going to be any surprise teams this year. Well, and it's, of course, again, it depends upon your, your definition of a surprise team, too. You know, is that the playoffs? Is that somebody that's going to make a run? I mean, we got so many teams that made the playoffs. I mean, when we were growing up, Kevin, it was used to be the National League. Who's going to win the East? Who's going to win the West? Who's going to win the East and the West in the American League? So you had, but now you pick it. You got the you got the three division winners and you got the wild card teams. You know, but but I think the teams that 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 people are overlooking in the National League it's the San Francisco Giants. You know, I mean, they always tend to be a pain. Remember, a couple of years ago, nobody was talking about the Giants. People were laughing at them, and they beat the Dodgers by game. In the uh, in the National League Western Division, they, it's a well-run organization. They build their team to their ballpark, which is a big ballpark, and everybody and their grandma is talking about the Dodgers and the Padres, and rightfully so. I'm telling you, I think the the Giants are going to be a third team from the National League Western Division that's going to make the playoffs this year. So I think the Giants in the in the National League and then the American League, I think it's the team that the Astros are playing tonight. Is the White Sox? I think people, some people anyway, are overlooking them. I think they have a lot of depth. I think they have a lot of versatility, and uh, you know, in, in my mind, they're easily the team to beat in the, in the American League Central Division. And I, I, you know, uh, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. So, White Sox, American League, Giants, National. League. Or is it that you realize Tony La Russa is not there dragging them down anymore? Well, that, that's true too. I mean, he was just the guy that. Was you know he can't relate to players anymore. He had his day in the sun. I thought it was a poor hiring. Whatever it happened, so you know, I mean, it's it's you know, I I got uh, yeah, that is another thing. I think that they weren't as bad as they looked last year. So I think that that's a good team, and far too many people are overlooking. Uh, you're trying to convince me. I was I was kind of a little more high on the Twins, but uh. We'll see. You you, you might have convinced me. We'll see. I got I got to do that real soon. All right, Stevie. The, the, the Twins are Brett Saberhagen every other year, so you can, you can pick the Twins. All right. All right. You hate Brett Saberhagen. You, 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 you hate Clorox. Huh? Oh no, I I I remember. I remember Brett Saberhagen. Had him more than once. I appreciate the your time as always, sir. Been your pleasure. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. So, we talked to the guru yesterday for a couple segments and kind of went over these races. We talked to Stevie P just now, and I've been kind of thinking, and if I totally finalize it all, no. But I, 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 um, 
I'm struggling. Here's my struggle. I've got my six playoff teams in the American League. I've got five of the six in the National League. I'm struggling between the Phillies and the Giants. Somebody, something keeps telling me that the Phillies are not going to be able to follow up on that big World Series run they made kind of out of the blue last year, right? Some just tell that that's, I think that's how things don't, I think the Phillies are one more injury away from being in big trouble. Like, they, they're already missing Harper for a while. They're already missing Hoskins for the season. And their starting pitching is okay, but it's not. Like, you think Ranger Suarez is that good? I, I, just, I just don't know about their pitching depth. It's concerning, but, I mean, the, I, I think they're the team that challenges the Braves. That's what I said in the first one, you know, in the first show of the day on RP3, just because I think Trey Turner has an MVP season, first of all. I've bought into that hype, and maybe I'm paying a little bit too much attention to the World Baseball Classic, but he looked like the ball looked like it was a grapefruit to him. He was swinging it so well. He is so dynamic. I think that makes up for some of the fact that you're losing out on, you know, having Harper there the whole year. And Hoskins hurts, but, you know, I think another thing, Tywin Walker has to have a big year for them in the rotation. Zach Wheeler has to, you know, stay healthy and and show them a little bit more. But you have Aaron Nola, and, yeah, I think Ranger Suarez, the back end certainly concerns you. but And their bullpen. I mean, I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez is okay, but – you know, I always I've started to do this thing where I pay I don't put as much stock into what I'm concerned with a bullpen before the season because there's always five or six guys a, a year that come out of nowhere to be really effective relievers and if you've got one or two of those guys sometimes you can be fine. So I am I always kind of pay more attention to who are your starting pitchers and what your lineup look like. But when do the Phillies ever have effective relievers? Well, that and that that you know the same can be said about certainly the Angels. We've talked about that and how that's going to hold them back, and I think it might. But all they need is a couple of these guys to be a little bit better than expected, and they'll be okay. So I, I think the Phillies – I just – I don't buy the Mets staying healthy. And so I think the Phillies actually beat out the Mets for the second spot in the, in the NL East behind the Braves, who I think just are overall the more reliable of the three. But, yeah, I mean, I understand the, uh, the hesitation there, and I think the Giants are a team that's getting overlooked. I just – I didn't think they were going to have enough – especially playing in that division, kind of get overshadowed by the Dodgers. Again, like I said yesterday, a lot of it is Mitch Hanniger was not very good last year, and Conforto didn't even play last year. I think both of those guys have a lot of potential. I think one of the moves that I think a lot of people are overlooked, I think Ross Stripling is not a great pitcher, but I think he's a good pitcher, and he's going to a great pitcher's ballpark. Um. You can pitch. You can. You know, it's it's harder to pitch uh, in in Arizona and Colorado, but you can really pitch in all the other parks. And again, you're not playing as many games there, so that you know, in the other ones, but you're playing the same amount of games in your home ballpark. So I, I think Stripling is good. I think their depth in their rotation is definitely better than the Phillies. I think their bullpen is better than the Phillies just because they know how to pitch. I mean, the Phillies play in a popcorn park. So I, I, I don't know. All right. So in the, in the American League, I've got Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, Orioles, Red Sox. And like I said yesterday, I really believe that that's the only division 
where I think everyone in that division could win that division. I know the Red Sox would be a real surprise. But again, if you look at history, every two or three years, the Red Sox surprise people and, and have a great season. Uh, and so I would not still still not put that past them. Um, in the Central, uh, Cleveland, I had Minnesota, then the White Sox. Stevie P's trying to talk me. I, I don't know what to think of that, too, but I'm going to stick with what I originally had. Twins, White Sox, Royals. Tigers in the West, Astros, Mariners, Rangers, little MVPs, A's. In the East, um, other than maybe, well, St. Louis was pretty easy. Astros was a, now look, I'm not saying the Astros are a lock to win the division because I really believe Seattle on paper is the second best team in the American League. So, if the Astros didn't win the division, it would not shock me because I think Seattle is legitimately good. Um, but the Braves, the Astros, Cardinals, Guardians, I think were the were the four division winners that were the easiest to pick. I, I, I'm I, I hear everything that Birthday Boy just said, but I, I still I'm still going to say Mets, then Phillies, then Marlins. Then Nationals, Cardinals, Brewers. Now, I have heard some people, the Cubs are their, like, surprise team. I think it's, I could see it. I mean, I hate Cody Bellinger, but if Cody Bellinger has this comeback season and he theoretically is going to be one of the guys really helped by the by the not being able to, to shift as much as you could in the past, and their pitching comes through, guys like Tyon, and Hughes gets healthy. He's kind of hurt right now uh, as their closer. Uh, I, I could see it, but I'm not pulling the trigger. I still too many questions, but I'm, I'm certainly willing to listen to the Cubs. So I'm going to say Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates, Reds, and then um, everyone's high on the Padres, and I think the Padres are really talented. Everybody knows that. I still think there's too many moving parts. Um, I'm going to – it sounds crazy because I hate the punks, but I'm going to go ahead and still pick them to win the division. Um, punks, Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, Rockies. Playoff teams, Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, Guardians, Astros, Mariners, Braves, Mets, Cardinals, Dodgers, or Punks, um, Padres, and Giants. So we'll see how it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fascinating season. And I think there are going to be one or two teams that really surprise. Um, and I think the Orioles could be one of them. We'll see how that plays out in that division. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Well, you made a lot of mistakes in your predictions there, buddy. Okay. I sure wouldn't pick the Dodgers to win that division. Are you insane? I just – I. I, I there's something about I like I, I just think the Padres are one of those franchises that I I would feel more comfortable picking them as an underdog. When, when everyone thinks they're gonna come through, they just seem like they're better off as underdogs. I, I don't know that they can handle the favorites role. Kevin, you know what my rotation is. Do you you do know, well? Well yeah, but Gonsolin's gonna be back. I mean, 
Southland had a lucky year last year. That wasn't they would want twenty game. He ain't no twenty game winner. That was luck. So what happened in the playoffs? Are they, you know, the, the, the All Star game they tagged him. Playoffs they tagged him. He ain't that good. They let Tyler Anderson walk. That was a mistake. But no, that's wrong there, Kevin. Hey, who got the best starting rotation in the major leagues? Do you think it's your team? Uh, if McCullers comes back, I definitely think it is. But it might be. It might be even before that. Better than the Mariners. Yeah, I still think a little better, but not much. I'm telling you, the Mariners are good. You know that. Who's the, who's the, uh, the back end of their rotation? Well, you know, the left-hander that they've had forever. He's okay. Marco. Okay, yeah, yeah I mean, he's okay. He's not a great pitcher. No, okay, that's why the back yeah. end. How about the Mets? The Mets are the Mets pretty, uh, pretty Well, it all depends on Singa. It all depends on Singa. I mean, I I don't know how good Singa is. The problem is they got Quintana, and when is Quintana going to pitch? Where did Singa went to the Mets? No, uh, the, the the Japanese pitcher. Oh, okay, all right. I thought you were talking about the Brady Singa. Oh, no. The Japanese pitcher. That's his first year? Yes, first year. He's their number three starter. So he's a huge unknown. Kevin, I think the team that's going to surprise everybody, I think the Cardinals are going to be that team this year. Uh, something tells me about them. I think they're about ready to take a leap forward more than they have in the past couple of years. But, you know, but it, they, like you said, there will be some people, the team that we're not talking about, I'm not thinking too high of, that's going to, that's going to step forward, that's going to have a good year. But, it, this it, year. but Steve might be right. It might be the Giants. I think the Orioles are good. We, we, we will see. Got to take a break. All right. Have a good one. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Been talking a lot of baseball. And we'll be talking a little more. We'll be talking some horse racing. Don't forget, those of you who are horse racing fans, a little less than an hour, our friend Mr. Tom will come on and we'll kind of update you once a week as we lead up to the Kentucky Derby. And I know there's a lot of horse racing people out there from a training side in our area because there's been a track in our area since, you know, my entire life. I believe the first year of, I believe me and the Super Bowl and Evangeline Downs are all the same age, if I remember correctly. Um, All kind of started at the same time. And so we'll be talking some Kentucky Derby. If you want to talk a little bit about football or one of these other things. You know, the football stories on the NFL side continue to kind of be the same 
and the whole Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, can you? I'm just so glad that the Saints are not involved in all that. Like at the beginning of it, they kind of were with the Derek Carr situation. Um, I felt good about Derek Carr. You, you, you always feel, you know, when you hear all these silly, slanted national reports, because, you know, everything's about the Jets and, you know, the Nash, the teams in the ESPN divisions. And so, you know, they obviously going to always say, well, the Jets have a better chance than the Saints just because of their their agendas. So I felt good about it. But, you know, when as things go on, you hear all these reports that don't really have any merit to them. It still puts doubt in your seeds of doubt in your mind. But, you know, now that that's taken care of, it, it's just, you know, you can we can focus on the draft and we'll get to that as soon as. You know, the NCAA tournament's over, and as soon as we kind of get the start of baseball season next week underway, you know, after the first weekend of baseball next week, we'll dive a little heavier into that for sure. Um, And so, you know, it's just – I'm just so thankful. Can you imagine – like we were talking about at the beginning of this hour, the Jets now – it's they've had 12 seasons since they made the playoff. 12 seasons have come and gone – since they made the playoffs. And most of those, they were putrid. You know, to to Stevie P's point, you know, the Astros had a, had a stretch similar to that. They made the playoffs in 86 and got cheated um, in, the, in the NLCS. And they didn't make the playoffs again until 97. So that's 11 years. But in about four or five of those years, they finished second and would have made the playoffs under the current format. Um, And so they were not great, but they were never just terrible. Like they were never like in last place in their division. They were always just, you know, when Terry Collins was there, he was like Mr. Runner-Up. They just kept finishing one spot short. And, uh, you know, they, they were never terrible. They just weren't really good. Like, they had that one bad year when every all the guys were rookies. But, I mean, they had good players, and they were close. They just couldn't get over that final step. And then 97 they did, and they made it in 97 and 98 and 99. And then, that, you know, since 97 – Astros made the playoffs a lot of years. And so it's uh it's turned around. So I, I I've been through that kind of a stretch, but again, the Jets have been just really poor for most of those twelve years. It hadn't been too many. Oh, they almost made it. They just didn't quite make it. So not every 11, 12, 13 year old, 13 year drought is the same. But but just can you imagine if you're a Jet and you and, and you think it's going to happen, and you're dealing with a psychopath. Like, seriously, this cat, you really think it's beyond him to say, you know, I I thought about it, and I, I think I'm just going to retire. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. This cat said when he went into the darkness, he was planning on retiring. He thought he was going to retire. 
And then he went into the darkness and came out. He wants to play again. Well, what does that mean? Like, when, when is he going to flip-flop again? Oh, I'm just so glad that's not me. <laughs> Jets fans. Oh, that would be driving me crazy. That is a bad situation to be in. And if you're the Packer fans, it's a better situation, but you're still like, let's get this settled. Let's get these draft picks. Well, I'm glad I'm not on those pins and needles. One hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. You can also watch us on Simulcast Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706. Oh, one, one, one. Now is the time to call. If you want to talk about opening day, we've had a lot of thoughts about that over the last two days. As we go into one of the more unique, if not the most unique baseball season for Major League Baseball ever, really. I mean, it's not that often that you have this many changes. You know, there's so many good players and teams that seem like they have a, you know, there could be World Series contenders. So I I think it has a chance to be one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting, Major League Baseball season of my lifetime. So we'll see how it plays. And, of course, if you happen to be an Astro fan and you're the reigning champions in your lineup and starting roster, although it's not quite what it needs to be because Brantley's not there yet and McCullers is not there yet. But if you look at what it could be, um, it, it's um, it's very exciting. But if you want to talk about football or college baseball or, or college softball or the Final Four, um, the more I thought think about it, and we talked about it some yesterday, I – you know, I got nothing against Florida Atlantic. I just, I, in those kind of matchups, I tend to go with the defensive team. I, I, I kind of, I kind of think it's gonna the the circumstances is gonna play more to San Diego State and Miami was, you know, one of the seeds not in the top three or four that I I was the the highest on going in. You know, again, I I'm no ba- college basketball expert at all, but I kind of had a good feeling about them. They're the only one that I think I might have got right had I filled out a bracket. The other ones I'd have had no chance to get right. I don't know if I'd have pulled the trigger on Miami, but I'd have thought long and hard about it. Um, and so I I, I think it, I mean I understand that UConn is like by far the most on paper qualified and they and probably are the favorite and they should be but would not surprise me if um if it's Miami and San Diego State uh which would be really make zero sense for the sport of basketball i mean you know really if you think about it would make in or Florida Atlantic for that matter you're talking about a bunch of beach teams i don't I don't really consider basketball a beach sport. I mean, yeah. 
couple of destination university, huh? Just, it's just strange. San Diego and Miami and Boca, and then you got UConn in the middle of Connecticut just kind of hanging out there as well. But, I mean, at least that's like a basketball area. I don't know. I think of, I think of cold areas for basketball, freeze to death, so you go indoors. Uh, no, it, it's, it's, it's really bizarre. So certainly if you have any thoughts on that. Or the women's side of things, reminder that RP3 and company will be heading to Dallas for the NCAA Women's Final Four. Raymond will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas tomorrow morning where you can, as he tries to get you prepared for Kim Mulkey and LSU trying to make the national championship game for the first time, RP3's road trip to Dallas presented by a Bailey Cigar Room. So lots going on, man, in the state of Texas because Astros open up at home, Rangers open up at home, the women's Final Fours in Dallas, and the, the men's Final Fours in Houston. Man, it's a busy week for the state of Texas. Uh I'm a little surprised that they did it that way. They did Houston and Dallas the same year. Yeah, that is a little bit surprising. But um, you've seen kind of the debate, too. It it looks like it's going to be more difficult to get a ticket to the women's Final Four. Now, I think the size of the arenas has a large portion to do with that as well. They're playing um, in the big one in Houston. But it should be fun. The Final Four should be fun on both sides. I think you've got good storylines. You've got Cinderella type of storylines on the men's side, and then you have kind of like the teams that we expect, maybe not the exact group of teams we expected to be there in the women's tournament, but all teams that have won a ton of games, and then everything that is Caitlin Clark and her offensive game against the uh, the juggernaut that, that is South Carolina. So, But, I mean, is there any reason to believe that anything about Iowa matches up with South Carolina? No, I mean, I, I think Caitlin Clark has to score 45, 50 points. Like, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. For them but to why would anyone think that South Carolina is going to let her do that? Right, they are going to do everything they can to prevent that from happening. So, I, I, I mean, look, that's why South Carolina has been the best team on paper and hasn't been close, and they're 35-0. and 0, And so, there might be 36 after the other, you know, in the, the Elite Eight game. But, yeah, I, I don't think Iowa has much of a chance to win the game, but... Um, and, and look, maybe if South Carolina gets too aggressive with the way they try to defend Clark, we know how good of a passer she is, so maybe she's able to find some of her teammates and they stay in that one. I think that's gonna, it's going to have to be about her, whether she's the one scoring or she's facilitating. She's got to make a ton of plays. What about um, LSU? You know, we Virginia Tech has, I mean, I saw them play a little bit. They have a point guard who's very active. They have a post player. So they kind of have some elements, but how, how do you think they, they match up with LSU? I think it's a pretty good matchup. Um, I think LSU has a really good shot. Of the one seeds that were in this tournament, I think this is the one you'd probably have wanted to face if you were LSU. And I think when the bracket came out, that's kind of what, what you said. Now, of course, they thought they would have had to play Indiana, and it didn't work out like that because Miami broke through. So they avoided a lot of the problem matchups for them, and I think they have a really good chance. It's funny, you know, a point guard and a post player, that sounds like LSU. They have a point guard and a post player. So who wins those battles? I think Angel Reese is probably the better player inside. Alexis Morris, when she's on, is great, but she's so hot and cold, so that was kind of the big key. Now, she played really well against Miami, so I think it ends up being more about what Alexis Morris does because we, we kind of know what we're going to get from Angel Reese. She's going to get to the free throw line a lot. She's got to make those. Um, and there's not really teams that can stop her. They're going to try and shade the defense. But does Alexis Morris make enough shots and the rest of the supporting cast make enough shots to help Angel Reese out? I think 
we also agree they're going to have to play better on offense than they did in the Elite Eight to win this game. Well, I don't know much about Virginia Tech's road because I didn't pay attention to them. LSU probably should have lost to Utah. They got very fortunate in that one. So what I don't know is can Virginia Tech do some of the things to LSU that um, Utah was able to do? And look, LSU didn't, didn't play great offense in that game either. I mean, LSU's not a great offensive team. They just um, – and, and, but again, I, I, it's like I was trying to say, I, I understand how much fun Iowa is to watch, but teams like South Carolina and LSU, I just don't think they will allow them to be pretty like they are against other teams. Yeah, the interesting thing about Virginia Tech is they have progressively scored more in every round of this tournament. So they beat Chattanooga in the first round, 58-33. to 33. Now, remember, that's a that's a one sixteen. Chattanooga didn't have a chance offensively. Then they beat South Dakota State 72-60 to 60 in a game they got tested a little bit more, but their offense was more effective. A similar game against Tennessee that they win 73-64. to 64. So, again, just one point more, but the offense continued to play better. And then they score 84 points on Ohio State, 84-74. Now, we know tempo and, and how an opponent plays you has to do with scoring totals, especially in college basketball. But they have seemingly gotten more and more comfortable and played in more and more of a rhythm offensively throughout this tournament. And LSU can't say the same thing. They started out pretty hot, 73 points against Hawaii. Then they went, took a step back against Michigan, actually scored the exact name, same number of points against Utah. And then, of course, it was a mess against Miami. So offensively, the rhythm of what Ohio State's doing recently, or excuse me, what Virginia Tech's doing recently, is building a little bit more momentum than what LSU's doing. But we also kind of know you get that week off, you kind of reset, you're in a big environment in the Final Four, the biggest game of most of these players' lives. So you never know who's going to come out with confidence and score early on. And again, I don't really expect it to impact South Carolina, but a Virginia Tech... And even in Iowa, like, it's just, I know the arena's not as big as what the men are about to play in, but I, I still think nerves and just the pressure of the moment impact your field goal percentage in, in, in those atmospheres. And so I, I don't think enough people are, are factoring that in, but we'll see how it worked out. And again, it doesn't mean that she's an overrated player. Like, the people who are down, like if if they play, if if South Carolina shuts them down, like we're thinking, then they're gonna oh well she's overrated. Well no, that doesn't mean she's overrated. If she was on South Carolina's team, she'd probably be fabulous. I mean it, it's just it's a team game, even in basketball, and defense normally overcomes offense. Like like I always say, there there are exceptions to everything, but when you when you when two teams are roughly the same talent level. I mean, I'm not. We're not talking about, you know, a bad team playing against a great team, and one's a defensive team and the other one's an. It's just so hard for the offensive team to get its way in tempo. To me, I, I just think the defensive team has the advantage in in the tempo battle. There, it, it, it just does. Now, the other thing, I one thing, I I don't I I don't know anything about him. I just saw an interview with him, but I was very impressed with the. There was something about the Virginia Tech coach that just struck me as, man, that seems like a really cool coach. Like, I never – I don't know anything about Virginia Tech women's basketball, okay? Nothing other than the five or ten minutes that I saw them play in the last round. Um, 
But when they interviewed the coach from Virginia Tech, he seemed like a really cool guy. I don't know anything about him. I didn't. Even, I should have looked him up, but uh, he seems like a, a good a good guy. Uh, uh, just a cool coach. Not all, not all of them seem that way. Kind of reminds me of I, I like the Miami coach. I think he's a cool guy too on the men's side. Yeah, and the floor. What do you think of the Florida Atlantic guy? He's a little bit uh, kind of the up and coming, a little bit of cockiness there with the team. But I wouldn't call him cool. No, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I would no. I mean, he's just he kind of you know like Steve Alford kind of. That's that's who he kind of reminded me of. Kind of, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. He's obviously doing a great job. I just wouldn't call him cool. You know, I wouldn't like. Oh man, that that guy's great. Again, he kind of reminded me of of Steve Alford a little bit. But he's obviously doing an incredible job. And um, I know that the ratings are going to be bad and the ticket sales aren't great. But I still I still think it's it's awesome, hilarious, cool. And um, but I kind of think South, San Diego State's going to win. I'm not sure the ratings are going to be as bad as people think. Like I don't like I. I just don't know. I guess I'm, I I can't think of it from a perspective of someone who doesn't care because, like, I just don't ever go, oh, who's playing in the Final Four? Oh, it's not Duke. Oh, I'm not going to watch then. Like, I, I watch whoever's in it. Like, I just – are there that many people that are like, oh, what is it, the FAU? Oh, I don't really know about that. Like, the year that Butler played in it, the ratings were fine. I mean, now I guess they were playing a big power team, but I just feel like maybe the ticket sales because, again, a lot of times ticket sales has to do with the size of the fan base and if they're going to travel to the event. Yes. And I guess a lot of casual fans will go see Duke play, but also that, that arena is huge. I don't know who, you know, yeah, it maybe if you had humongous. the perfect matchups, you'd sell it out, but, like, that's a it's a huge venue. It absolutely – and so have you made your predictions yet? I guess not officially. Okay. Um, I mean, look, I, I do think San Diego State's a little bit better, so I would take them in that one, and, and I think UConn's just way too hot right now. So I'll actually lean against – uh, what you said about you know Miami, which I know you were kind of on the fence there. I just think UConn's the most complete team of the group, so I would take UConn in that one. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, shift gears, talk to our friend Craig Malonso about opening day and Cajun baseball. This is Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Major League Baseball is back, and it's time for a tradition like none other. Old school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant. Show us that million dollar arm, because I got a, oh, I got a good idea about that five cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war? Yeah. What? Who comes up with this stuff? You're killing me, Smalls. Now, back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on The Game. We have with us Mr. Craig Malonso. How are you, sir? I am doing wonderful. It's opening day, so what else can you say about that? Well, we might have had this similar conversation last year. I still, every opening day, have a little sadness, even though I'm not a Reds fan like you, that it doesn't start like it did for the first hundred and something years uh, that the game started in Cincinnati. Very disappointed in that, but it's getting, as we 
as seasons go by, it's getting further and further away. So I've just come to terms. There's other things to fight over, like players wearing their pants above their knees. I think they should be executed as soon as they get on the field. I hate that. (laughs) All right. So the Reds have gotten some, you know, obviously negative publicity lately. Do you see any hope? I mean, uh, is there a plan? Do you at least have an understanding of what the plan is for the Reds? Absolutely no clue. I mean, when you look at uh, the roster, I think there's some good players there. But at the same time, when your highest paid player is Ken Griffey Jr., who hasn't played in I don't know how many years, it's it's kind of discouraging. By midseason, I expect a lot of sell-offs again. It is. It is. Uh, you know, you got two pitchers that I really like, but oof, it, it, it's tough after that. And you've got a hot uh, young closer who's talented. It wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't shock me if if one of the you know like the Mets with his brother being out for the year comes a calling for your closer close to the All Star break. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's. It, I think it all depends. A lot of it has to do with the amount of time on their contract. So, uh, I, I, which I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Cajun baseball. Um, kind of a crazy week. Uh, weekend in Mobile. I. I. I'm not a big fan of all. You know, twenty-two to five, and you know, ten to six. That was crazy. You can have one of those weeks every once in a while, and as long as you win the series, all is well, I guess. But man, that that kind of stuff just. I, I struggle with those kind of weekends. Well, we we actually mentioned your name at the at the stadium because forty three runs over the weekend, and uh, it, it was just like after the the twenty two runs in the in game two, I'm like, okay, do we have any left in the bag? But South Alabama pitching is not very good, and the wind was blowing out, so all you had to do was lift the ball up pretty much, and it, it just continued to sail. So. It, you know, I I hate those games. I'd rather a two to three game, three to four game, one nothing game. But uh, when you win two out of three on the road, you got to be happy. Absolutely. Now the Cages did a great job in that third game after scoring twenty two runs of not really depending on hitting. Like they had like seven or eight walks and a hit batsman and stole six seven bases. I'm like they did a lot of work that had nothing to do with actually hitting getting hits against their pitching staff. Yeah, the, the it's it's amazing how they uh, and people talk about want don't want to talk about the positive. They want to talk about the negative when you see a a base runner uh, being thrown out. But the Cajuns have been able to manufacture runs either by stealing a base or with the with the thought of stealing a base and the in the and the pitcher throws it past the first baseman or into center field on second base. So you have to have, and we, and we don't see all those things show up in the stat line necessarily. So you have to be cognizant of that and, and hope for the best. Absolutely. You know, and, and Coach Deggs did a good job in Monday's weekly presser reminding us what we talked a lot about, what he talked a lot about back in January is they've got to start doing a better job of getting on base and they've got to, you know, do a better job in the freebie war, as he puts it, and they really have. It's got to make you feel good as a coach to have this huge emphasis in the offseason 
and then see it kind of manifest itself, you know, through the, you know, what have we played, you know, almost halfway through the season? Much more patient at the plate. 134 walks to, uh, through 25 games is the most that any Cajun team has had going back in the last 23 years. The next closest one is 126 walks back in 2005. So, again, doing a great job. And also, if you look at the RBI, once they get on base, 179 RBIs is also the most through 20, uh, 25 games in the last 23 years. So we're able to get these guys in. I think the biggest concern, though, is still uh, when you have guys on second and third and uh, no outs or one outs, we're still at, we're still struggling a lot with that, I believe. But, you know, the good thing is looks like Rockefeller is starting to hit. Julian Brock is just on absolute fire. Heath Hood has been on fire really all season long. Um, if – are you worried about Marshak or because so many other guys are hitting, it's really not a concern and you just keep counting on the fact that one of these weekends is going to happen? Uh, I'm not, you know, it's, it would be easy to be concerned about with, but with so many guys hitting the ball right now and a guy that you, I know you did a story on John Taylor coming through both defensively and, and offensively at times. I think if, when Marshak, does begin to hit, I think it's just long up. I think you you take it for what it is right now. Uh, Coach sat sat him in game uh, game three in, in South Alabama, and honestly, you he wasn't pouting. You could see him in between innings going throw the ball with Heath Hood, so he's still involved and still engaged. And I expect him uh, I expect him to do better the last half of the season. On the flip side of that. The pitching staff did not have the kind of ERA over the weekend that you'd want to have for this upcoming weekend and, 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 and weekends after that. Do you just chalk that up to it was a wacky series, or are there some concerns there? Well, I think two things there. One, yes, it was a wacky series, and the ball was flying out. And you got guys like Cooper Rawls that had to come in in game two and really save the bullpen. So, might have given up a little bit more than what you would have liked to there, but at the same time he did his job uh, in, in saving the bowl game for game three. Uh, and you also saw, um, I believe, Hunter Moody in, in the game against uh, uh, the weekday game, uh, pitched a couple innings, and then by the game being moved from Sunday to Saturday, I think kind of screwed up Coach, Coach Deggs' plan of having him be the starter on Sunday. Even though it wasn't announced, I have to believe that's what he was going with. So what do you anticipate to happen rotation-wise? You think that's what it's, is the thought process for this weekend? Yeah, I think you're going to see, you're going to continue to see Jay Cammons come out on Friday night. Uh, Nezu uh, moved up the Saturday and, and, and Moody come in on Sunday to, to finish out the weekend. You know, um, it it was good to see Ben Tate do well. Uh, Coach Dex pointed out that South Al really struggles with left-handers, so we'll see how if he can transfer that to some of these other teams. But it sounds like Appalachian State has a really good offensive team. Like their last game, I I, I, I looked it up the other day. They played I think twenty two games in fourteen of those games. Somebody scored double figures. That is an incredible 
statistic to me. So, like, they're used to playing wacky weekends like the like the Cages and South Al had. You know, and, and part of that, too, is is uh, the majority of their games have been at home, and App State's ball field plays really long, and uh, when the wind's blowing out up there, it, it's just amazing to see the balls fly around. I remember last year watching them in Georgia Southern play, and the ball would get blown from nearly uh, uh, in the foul line into the into the playing field, and, and it's just – and when that carries out there, you're going to score a lot of runs. So is it like it, the it, old candlestick, or is it kind of like playing in Colorado? Uh, I think more candlestick with the wind blowing out. But, you know, a lot of the times here at the tee, you're going to have the wind blowing in, coming out of the south, out of the gulf. And um, it, it, I just don't think the ball will carry as much as we can for them. All right. So far, and it's still early. I mean, we've only played a couple weekends. But – Biggest surprise either way, good or bad, so far elsewhere in the Sun Belt? Oh, elsewhere in the Sun Belt, uh, I think the biggest surprise uh, may be uh, App State and uh, Georgia State both playing. You know, uh, Georgia State started out last year pretty hot and then faded quickly uh, after about the third series. I think they came into the Sun Belt 9-0, and and then I'm not sure that they may have won one or two games after that. But App State playing better ball is kind of a little bit of a shocker for me. Uh, not overly uh, surprised there because of their schedule. Uh, but, you know, Southern Miss being 3-3 three and three is a little bit of a shock. And uh, to no one's surprise, Georgia Southern went out, out uh, into uh, Hattiesburg last week. And, uh, of course, Southern Miss had a bat flip, and there was almost another fight. So, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, guess, that rivalry is going to be something. It, you know, it, that's going to be a lot of fun over the years coming up. I, I really just wish the, the Cajuns wouldn't play them on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you know, the week before the, the, the conference tournament, because I would love to go to a Hattiesburg this weekend, uh, that weekend, but. You know, having uh, the Sunbelt Conference tournament the next week, it's kind of hard to say, hey, boss, I'm, I'm gone for the next two weeks. Yeah. Yes, I get that. All right, so we'll see. Hopefully the pitching's a little bit better and the hitting is close to as good as it was last year. We'll see what happens. We appreciate your time as always, sir. Thanks, Kevin. We'll see you at the ballpark. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. All right, we have with us our old friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Before, Thanks for having me. Before we get to horse racing update, <laughs> I'm sure uh, hopefully you're going to watch opening night tonight. Oh, I'm anxious to see Dylan Cease and uh, Framber Valdez duel it out. Should be, uh, should be very interesting. You've got the White Sox ex-first baseman, Jose Abreu, now playing for the Astros, and we'll see 
what happens, you know, I mean, Aloya Menez and Roy, they got a lot of talent. It's just normally hurt. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, a lot of talent. Uh, hopefully the game will be interesting. It looks like it will be a little low scoring tonight, but we never know. Absolutely. All right. So let's start with a review of the big races last Saturday yeah. at, uh, on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Okay, we had uh, two races, Louisiana Derby and the uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes uh, at uh, Turfway Park. Uh, let's start with Turfway Park because a horse called Two Fields won it. He's a really nice horse, but the race was not, it, 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 it's not usually the road to the Derby, but everybody remembers Rich Strike last year. Rich Strike came out of this race, so it's possible. The two fields, but I don't think he can get the 10 furlong. That's all. He ran a really nice race. Now, in the Louisiana Derby, you remember, as I said last week, everybody was talking to me about King's Barnes. And I said, King's Barnes. Okay. Well, he won that race easy. He went to the front and he won it fairly easy. The horse that ran second was a horse that I like called Disarm. And I think he might come back and run real well. But here's the deal. The Daily Racing Forum says that the two fields race was better than the Louisiana Derby. And it really was because in two fields, they covered much more ground per second than they did in the fairground. So I'm not sure. I think Kingsborn's a legitimate horse. I think he can make the distance. I think he has to be on the front. And in the Derby, that's not always a good place. But he'll definitely set the race up. But I, I still like this arm. That horse ran real well. He had a perfect trip. That's another thing you won't get in the Derby. So to say what happened in those two races, I think both the winners have a chance in the Derby. I think Kings Barnes will be in the front probably with a few other horses. And I think this horse, this arm, who ran second in the Louisiana Derby, May run, may if he runs in the Derby, he may do it. He may be pretty good in it. That's basically what happened last week. Well, you you also mentioned a horse, maybe uh, Taliasco or something like that. How did that horse do? Uh, Taliasco, yes, he ran real well for about three quarters of a mile, a mile, and then he kind of backed off and ran fifth or sixth. I, I don't think he's a Derby shot anymore. No, I don't think so. All right, so what are we looking at this weekend? Well, we're looking at the Florida Derby, and we're looking at the horse that should win the Derby this year, a horse called Forte that Todd Fletcher has. And uh, the race doesn't shape up real good for anybody else for the simple fact that Forte doesn't need the lead. He can run fifth or sixth and run ten or eight or nine lengths off the lead if he wants to, and he's much faster in the last. 400 yards than any horse in here. Now, a horse called Mage, M-A-G-E, he's a real nice horse, and if he runs his race, he could be a maybe a challenge. But the rest of these horses, you know, Kevin, it's hard to find a horse in there that, that's going to... Fort Bragg was a, a Bob Baffert horse that was turned over to Tim Yakteen, was going to run in the Windstar last weekend on Sunday, and he scratched out. And the dog that won the Windstar was about 60 to 1. But Fort Bragg is an interesting horse in that he 
he's fast enough to win this race, but he's traveling clear across the country with no workouts at Gulfstream, and he's going to be dropped into this race on Saturday. I, I, if they beat Forte, Kevin, it'll be because Forte is stuck way out in the 11 or 12 hole, and he doesn't get a good trip. You know, he doesn't get his, what I tell you before, where a horse wants to be on the track. If he doesn't get where he wants to be, then it could be a challenge. But I don't see anybody beating Forte unless he stumbles, you know, unless he has a bad race. So in the in the Florida Derby, I think that's pretty much up in the air uh, for anybody else other than uh, Forte. Now, when you get to the Arkansas Derby, man, <laughs> this is a moneymaker if you can find the right horse. Angel of Empire, who ran and won the Risen Star at Louisiana, I mean, at, at, uh, I'm sorry, at the fairgrounds. Uh, Angel of Empire is a nice horse, but most of the horses that are going to run in this Arkansas Derby, they want to run from behind. A lot of these horses want to run from behind. And it, when you do that, you run the risk of not getting where you want to be to win. So there are two horses, the three and the four, a horse called Harlow Cap, who's a Steve Asmussen horse. Uh, he's uh, he's going to run up on the front. Um, he's going to give them a little bit of speed. Uh, and, the, and another horse, Two Eagles River, who's ran a really good race last time for Chris Hartman. He's going to be up close to the front. So my dilemma in the Arkansas Derby and the people that vote in the, uh, bet in the Arkansas Derby there's some horses in here like Rocket Can, who came out of the uh, Fountain of Youth behind Forte. He may run better. A horse called Reincarnate. He may get to the lead or he may not. He may run better. The 10 horse Red Root One is a horse people have been talking to me about. But he runs from the moon. I mean, he, he, he just doesn't get started. So he's going to have to be rich strike. He's going to have to find a perfect trip to win that race. So the betting race on Saturday is in Arkansas, in the Arkansas Derby, and the not betting race is in the Florida Derby, unless Forte doesn't run his race. That's right. basically what we got. So you telling me that Forte is going to be, you expect, if everything goes as you think, it's going to be the overwhelming favorite. Oh, yeah, uh, three to five, I'd say. Six, uh, 60 cents on the dollar. Probably. Overwhelming favorite, yeah. But he deserves it. But he's only had one race this year. He's only had the Fountain of Youth this year. So he may not have enough bottom to beat all of these horses. Somebody might beat him. But, again, if he gets his position, if he gets where he wants to get, Kevin, then they're not going to beat him. And so, But he's running from an outside post, and Irad's going to have to get this horse where he wants to be. Um, it's hard to explain that. But the horses like to be in a certain spot. Some don't want to be in the rail. Some want to be outside. So if it gets him to the right place, he's going to run off with that race. Yeah. All right. So are we ever going to get back to the days where <laughs> the Kentucky Derby was a, is a coin flip? Or are we in this chalk era for good now? No, 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 not at all. Uh, the, the problem is the last 220 yards, Kevin. You know, when you were in high school and the coach asked you to run the last 220 yards and you said, oh, I don't want to do this, I'm too tired. This is what happens with these horses. Now, 
uh, Forte may not make 10 furlongs. He may not have this, uh, like Epicenter last year. Epicenter was on the way to a win. You know, he was the best horse and all that. And, of course, Rich Strike made a perfect trip and beat him. This is the Derby. You never, ever know who's going to be and whether there's going to be a – I think it's going to be competitive when, when if Forte wins in Florida and goes to the Derby as even money favorite. I think it'll still be competitive. I don't think we're in the, any era where, where the uh, long shots don't win. You know, that extra 220 yards, Kevin, and, I mean, it's crucial to these horses. Some of them aren't going to make it, and some of them will. All right, let's hopefully we, you and I both go to bed tonight with a smile on our faces, and we'll talk to you again next uh, Thursday. I will not be happy if we lose the first game. No. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnote, Kevin Foot on the game. We have just a few minutes left. If you would like, um, if you would like to get in and discuss baseball or horse racing or anything, we got a few minutes left. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Again, a big baseball day, Major League Baseball opening day. And I'm still not totally used to it. I know I think it's a great idea to do it Easter weekend. Um, but I'm still not totally I, – I still struggle with these Thursday college baseball games. But a uh, big one. Series LSU opening up tonight against Tennessee. I'm sure there are a lot of LSU fans that were thinking they'd be a little better in 4-2. But still, you won both series – um, do you think they're going to sweep? I don't know. I guess if you take two out of three again, you'll take that. And, 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 because and, there's going to, you know, sweeps are coming. LSU's going to have more than their fair share of sweeps. Um, you know, it's Arkansas to Tennessee. There's not that many teams in the SC better than those two. So I think you would take two out of three again. Although losing is never lots of fun. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Good morning, sir. Hey, Foot. So it's Dawson's birthday, huh? Yes, it is. Happy, happy birthday, Dawson. He didn't give me a chance to say happy birthday to him. I'm like, who is exactly? I'm going to say. He, he, he's, listening. Like he's, he's listening. He's listening. Birthday. He's listening. <laughs> now, Foot. I heard earlier that squirrel. I can't believe you're entertaining that squirrel that finally came out of his hole, Martin. <laughs> I can't believe you're entertaining that guy. I ain't heard from this man in almost 10 years, and all of a sudden he come out of his hole, and I was out here, what he have to say? I heard Stevie Pell. I heard all what you have to say. But, you know, y'all sleeping on the Yanks. I heard you spent yesterday. We're not old. We come with experience. I'm not worried about the pitching. You, you got the, the ugly socks 
going win our division. I'm listening very carefully for No, I, I picked the Red Sox to finish last in your division. No, you but but no, I do think – One of y'all said they were going to win the division. No, no, no. I said that it's the only division – that I'm open to hearing that all – that's the only division that I really think all five teams could win the division. It's the only one. I, I don't think in any other division do I believe the bottom team that I'm going to pick last could potentially win the division. It's the only one. I think the Red Sox potentially could win this division. Trust you. Trust but I'm the picking them last. Red Sox have no chance for it. We know what they're about. They have no chance. That's a depleted team. I'm just telling you. But you know, Foot, I want to say I was able to, when I had text you, I was able to be be Foot this morning on your old show. It was awesome because it feel like Foot presence did. I'm like, man, that's where Foot was at. You know, I got a chance to be you for a little minute, Foot. It was awesome. But I was not delusional. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you really don't, you really don't Uh think, you don't, you really don't think Judge is going to have a down year by his standards. No, no. Why not? not? not this year. And you and and I would like to know who's the Yankee guy you, you picked up for your fantasy. Well, I, I have Nestor Cortez, the the starting pitcher, and I have mm-hmm. uh, Holmes, the closer. Okay, that's not bad. You did pretty good. I yeah. think you're gonna be all right with those guys. I hope so. I need them. Oh, I think so. Y'all sleeping on us, foot. Don't sleep on us. Y'all always do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I've picked the Yankees quite a bit because uh, back when they had a bullpen, I still don't think their bullpen is as good as it used to be. And I don't know that they're – I just don't like their pitching. Uh, compared yeah. to compared to the to the Blue Jays and the Rays, your pitching is just not as good. It's just not. I agree with that. Our pitching is always suspect. We, we, we hit and miss, you know. Gary Cole, he, one day he's like, oh, man, that guy got skills. And then it's like, where is he at? You know, so I get it. With our pitching period is up and down. Boone do not know how to make in and out changes, adjustments. So I just think that I just feel maybe this is going to be a different year. Experience, you know. Can you imagine, though, Paul, can you imagine what would it have been like in t- t- today when the, when if, if, Judge had signed with the Giants like a lot of people thought he was gonna, and he was going back to Yankee Stadium. That would have been quite a scene tonight. But it would have been crazy. We couldn't handle that. They better throw stuff at him. That'd have been a traitor. You know, throw some cat, some trash at him, Paul. Oh, that'd have been very interesting. But foot, I leave you with that one, bro. You have a blessed one. All right, you too. Thank you for the call. No, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be busy, unfortunately. I'm not going to be able to see, like, you know, I can remember in the past, I can remember being in high school and, and skipping school on opening day and just going to watch baseball games all day. That was, That's fun. And and there have been other years where it started on a Monday where maybe I could be off a little bit or and, and, and watch baseball all day. It's just not going to happen. But I'm hoping to see as much of the Astros uh, opener against the White Sox as I can. And, uh, you know, I'll be following here and there and seeing updates, but it's just March. I don't really like baseball starting in March. I like because but by, by once you get to April, at least March is over. I mean, March is the busiest month of the entire year for me, work-wise. And so I, I don't – March is just too busy to be starting baseball. But that's what they've decided to do. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And, again, it's opening day. 
That's the thing. Opening day, you know, the first the season opener for football is really important. I mean, it's still a long way to go, but it's really important. In baseball, we got 161. <laughs> but it's still fun to win that first game. That's why um, the the Astros, I think it's a 12-game winning streak that they have is, is really nice. The thing that's really unique is the Mets of all teams have, like, the all-time best winning percentage on opening day. I mean, the Mets have had some good teams over the years, but they have, most of my life they haven't been that good. And for whatever reason, they're really good normally on opening day. So we'll see what the Mets, if the Mets can continue that trend uh, on opening day, because they they win a lot, they win a high high percentage in their opening day games. And for the while, the Astros in the eighties, I don't remember the Astros being real good on opening day, but lately they've been great. So I'm all for it. I like winning that first game. Uh, Astros open up with three series against the American League Central, which on paper is not a great division. So we'll see if they can get off to a decent start before some of the injured guys come back. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.